So, Ed, last week we did 2009. Mm-hmm. Got a decent reception, but like we both knew, it wasn't the most popular year in R&B. R&B had started changing, but 2008, there's a couple of releases I want to talk about, um, mm-hmm. a couple of cool releases, uh, but... Even before we get into that, paint the picture for us, 2008. What's going on with Ed? What's going on with R&B during that time? Well, 2008, I think I told you last year, well, last year, last time, that in 2009, that was like a personal year of transition. 2008 was kind of leading up to that, and I always kind of compare that to where R&B was at the time. So when you look back at 2008, I remember when you and I were brainstorming about this topic. We were like, and shout out Tom, he was in this conversation too. And it was kind of like, well, I don't remember anything happening. But if you go back and look, there was a lot happening. But it was just a weird time because a lot of our favorites were still active and around. But they were putting out music that either didn't quite connect or the sound just wasn't there. And it, it was just a weird, we were talking about 2009 being the transition. 2008 laid the foundation for the transition that 2009 will be. Yeah, so I've got a couple of uh, moments here, a couple of notes that I have. I'm just going to mention them. We can go one by mm-hmm. one here. Um, this was the year that Kanye dropped 808 and Heartbreaks, which kind of changed R&B, for better or for worse, depending on how you look at it. But uh, You, want, that you don't al- want me to answer that. <laughs> but that album, I think, uh, and, and we talked about it kind of in, in the 2009 era, but that really changed R&B and that album was the beginning of it. Honestly, though, when you think about it, in 2008, and along with Kanye's album, we also had your boy T-Pain, his Three Rings album was 2008. And that yep. was, if it wasn't his most commercially successful, it was like number two. It was one of right. his bigger records. So you had the auto-tune sound that was starting to reshape hip-hop. Now, it didn't hit R&B yet, but little did we know that going into the 2010s, when R&B was trying to emulate what hip-hop was doing, it would mm-hmm. lean so heavily on the groundwork that was laid in 2008. 2008, I side-eye for many reasons, <laughs> yep. and those were two reasons why. Yep, uh, that was a game-changing, for better or for worse. Here, uh, 2008, we lost Static Major. He had just done Lollipop mm-hmm. with Lil Wayne. Massive song. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened if that song took off and Static was still here. He was set to put out his album Supper Time, one of the most prolific songwriters of our era. Would have been interesting to see what would have happened. Talk about that is one of the most, and I know a loss of life is always depressing. I was still living in Louisville, as I said, in 2008. So I know how hard it hit the community because he was beloved in the community and, of course, beloved in our community as well, the R&B community. I remember working at the newspaper at the time, and when he passed, I freaked out and was like, we got to write a story on this, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, like, the editors didn't know who this guy was. And I remember talking to one of the editors, and he was like, I've never heard of this guy. Well, I was Mm -hmm. like, when he has written for Destiny's Child, Lil Wayne, Jay-Z, I was naming all these people he worked with, and the dude was like, well, oh, crap, I guess we got to do something. And it's so (laughs) depressing because although we've known Static for years and decade, decade and a half, I feel like this could have been his breakout moment, and it just wasn't to be. And shout out to my wife. I remember she did this gigantic package on 
static in his career, wrote this great story about it. I wish it was online. It's not online anymore, but it was one of the best things he's ever written, and it was great stuff. So shout out to static and his family. And, of course, our boys, Black and Smokey as well. Yeah, we got to figure out a way to pull that article back. But, Ed, here's what I have in my notes for 2008. Uh, two monumental follow-up albums here, uh, or albums that followed up to monumental albums. Usher and Mariah both came back. Emancipation, Confessions, 2004, 2005, two of the mm-hmm. biggest albums, definitely of that era, Um massive albums here they come back here i stand e equals mc square i think both did okay but did was anyone really expecting them to to duplicate what they did the last time around well for e equals mc i don't for not confessions about to call it confessions for here i stand (laughs) i think there was some disappointment and again let me paint the picture because that's why i'm gonna the topic of the day is 2008 was an unappreciated year because if those two albums came out in 2020, y'all would be going crazy on social media. Mm. But because they were coming off of extremely successful albums, people were kind of like, it's all right. Uh, I don't know. Uh. So it was met with, a, especially on Usher's side, and we'll talk about yeah. this a little later, about how his sound was really different. And Mariah, it felt a little too similar to the past yeah. record. And yep. these are really solid albums that just people, I don't know if they were ready for a change or what, but it just was like met with a little bit of unfair indifference. I liked both, and I remember being in the minority at the time. Yeah, Lawrence just said, Here I Stand was a good underrated album. And I agree. I actually listen to that album more now than maybe I did back then, and I loved it then. I know there's a lot of people that don't like that album, as you know, Kill a Cam just said. Here I Stand was, t- was Dark Times, Loving the Club, Part 1 and 2, minus Lil Wayne's verse were solid. So, you know, that album is very hot and cold with some people. I personally like it, but I understand why people didn't. And to me, to me, I know every artist goes through that phase where they're at the top. And then there's a small decline. It happens with every artist, whether you're Michael Jackson, whether you're Beyonce, whether you're Usher. But... To me, like, even though that album did okay, like, even Love in This Club, it's a number one hit. But I remember it didn't have the impact that an Usher hit had. Like, it went high up the charts quick, and then it fell down really fast. Exactly. And again, remember, we're coming off of Confessions here, where there were, like, four or five singles that were just at the top of the charts forever. They were game-changing as far as sound. I like the, actually, like... I like the remix with Lil Wayne and Beyonce. I'm sorry. Mm. Sorry, Cam. I like it. But I think <laughs> that the album had good points. I like the adult sound. And this is when Usher was like in his marriage and was trying to be maturing in his sound. And I don't think people were ready for it at the time. However, it was successful, but just not the mega success that we have yeah. seen. It's the... I call it the Illmatic curse. No matter what Nas does after Illmatic, people will always say, well, it ain't Illmatic. No matter what Usher does after Confessions, people will say, it ain't Confessions. Well, of course not. That doesn't mean it's not good. And the album was fine. And then that Mariah album, I think a lot of people were disappointed that it sounded like Emancipation too much. But if you think about it and you break it down, E equals MC square. Like that exactly. was, it, you it got was, what you got, player. That, that's what we got. Um, 
It's kind of weird, though. I was thinking back to the record that she put out, I'll Be Loving You Long Time, the one that、mm-hmm. DJ Toon produced. I thought that had all the makings of being a huge smash, and it just never panned out. I think, I remember she put out that record bye bye early on, and that like derailed everything. Well, if I remember correctly, I remember that coming out. There was another single, too. I, I think she had like a T Pain song. She had a、yeah. bunch of stuff on that album that I thought was good. I didn't see anything that could have been like mega We Belong Together, Super Smash.、Right. But there was plenty of stuff there that I thought was solid. So even today, when people talk about her worst albums and bring that one up, I'm like, no, that album is pretty solid. It's it okay. Just, it just、uh, underwhelmed as far as performance. I still enjoy it. Yeah. Um, Another moment that was big in RB, this was the introdu- introduction of Sasha Fierce, Beyonce's.、Oh, yes. What is it, her third album? That would have been her third, right? I Am Sasha Fierce. That was number three for solo albums, yes. I remember when that came I wasn't feeling that album at all when it came out. I、to、mean, it had, f- it had some big、fair. records, but、mm, it wasn't for me. As a total project, even the Beehive stands would have to say, because a lot of them. Well, some of y'all are weird. Some of y'all act like Beyonce didn't exist until she did the secret album. She had plenty、mm. of stuff before then. But that's an argument for another time. But that one, I think even today, is still met with a little bit of,、uh, it's kind of eh on that one. And I'm with it. I get where she was going with the two sides. And it wasn't like most double this albums are like too bloated. It's too much going on. She kept them short, so it wasn't too long. But it was just something didn't gel with that album. So it was a smash. It had, of course, the big things with the、yeah. put the ring on it and, and the crazy <laughs> dance y'all were doing. So it was successful. But again, it was another artist like Mariah, like Usher, who we had expected great things from creatively, not commercially. Creatively,、mm-hmm. we expected big things from. It was all right. If you really think about it, that's Beyonce's last like, mainstream pop. Radio driven, you know, album. Because after that, I think she tried it with four, but after that, she's just been doing her own thing. She's been in her own lane. But at this time, yeah, exactly, Killa. This, Cam, this is the one with Diva on it.、Mm-hmm. Single Ladies. I think Video Ego was on、phone. that album. Ego. Ego yep. Was, yeah. So that was a big album.、Uh, is Sasha Fierce still a thing or has she been replaced by Yonce? No, please. We are long past that. This is Yonce era. And I don't even know if she's Yonce now. Somebody will tell us what she is. <laughs> she's forever changing up. But no, that is long past. She's trapped Beyonce these days. Oh, and of course, Halo. We can't forget about Halo. That was a big, big one. Yep. Yep. Halo, too.、Uh, Ed, I want to get into this. You mentioned it earlier、uh, albums that came out that we weren't expecting from these artists. I'm going to name、mm-hmm. a couple here. We had Keisha Cole, A Different Me. Mind you, Keisha Cole, the first two albums, she was sad. She was heartbroken. <laughs> I was relating to it. I was singing I Remember at the top of my lungs. Oh、no, my God. She comes up with a different me. And Ed, when I listened to this album for the first time, I remember when this album dropped, I pressed play. I did not like a single song except the one with Monica. I'm with you on that. Now, I, I was like, like, what is this? There were a couple songs, and I'm blanking because of all her albums, I listened to it the least. I would say it's on the back end of my Keisha albums. It's, it's, it's near the back end back there. Again, this was a time where a lot of established artists were changing up their sound. It wasn't auto tune yet. We get to that later on. 
but a lot of people were changing up, trying different things. I don't know if with Keisha, because you might remember she had the um, reality show going on mm. at the time. I don't know if she was a little distracted, but I was not a fan of the the a different me. And she had some success. She had the song with Tupac, so there were some top ten hits on this thing, but just a different we was not for me. I could not deal with that one. You know what, Lawrence? I gotta agree with you. Like when I listen back to that album now, not from the perspective of um, expecting something that was similar to the first two, I can appreciate appreciate it for what it is. Like Erotica, that's a great song. I haven't heard that song in a minute. I gotta go listen to it. But she blocked me on Twitter, so we're gonna have to figure out. <laughs> I think I'm the only person she hasn't blocked, which is crazy because everybody, I'm the most, I am public enemy number one in R&B except with Keisha Cole. Yeah, Damon, the album you're talking about is the one before that. This is the one with Trust, the Tupac song. Um, I think there may have been one more single, but it, it wasn't yeah, a it was, huge, it wasn't a huge success, but it, it was all right. I'll give her that. But um Ed, that album was a little different for me. Then you had Brandy's Human album. Now this album, Tom oh actually just went, he just went back and re-listened to this, and uh, he doesn't understand the direction of this album at all. If you go back and listen to it, it's a lot more poppy than the Brandy we know. But in 2008, even when I listened to it, then I was so thrown off by that album. This is yet another album player that was like, I don't know, dog. It was one of the things that you expect a sound from our artists. And we do need to get out of the habit. I've talked to y'all about this a million times. An artist should be allowed the ability to experiment, do something different, try a new role. Don't have to do the same thing all the time. I don't hate human. There's a lot of people that really don't like that album. But it just does not live up to the three or four albums that we got previous to it. It just underwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I see Dollar in here now. He has a couple of questions. Dollar, send your everyone send your questions in. We're we're more than happy to answer. Yeah, it. we'll hit y'all. We'll hit y'all with the questions. <laughs> um, and then the other one that kind of changed uh, their sound was uh, John Legend's Evolver album. Hence now, the title Evolver, but you yes. know. <laughs> now this one is another one that gets a lot of beef. And I like this one. I like mm. this. I mean, this, I think this was the song where Andre 3000 was like, you can't be behind the piano all the time. So that's the album where he picked up the page, did some different things. I was cool with this one. Again, it got a lukewarm reception. Not as beloved as his first two records. But if this album came out today... Pfft, Y'all would be screaming to Twitter rooftops. Trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dollar just asked. Uh, on a side note, have you heard SZA's new song? Dollar wants to know what language she's singing in. But player, I was like, that, <laughs> when you're on the volume and you got to hit it all the way up, my laptop, I had to go all the way to the end. You had to turn the volume up to nine. This song is okay, but I need a chart. I had to throw it in Google Translate. And we're talking, luckily we're talking about 2008 when, Lyrics were still cohesive, but in 2020, we can't understand anything that's going on. And play, I'm old. It's hitting my, it's hitting my joints. Everybody was talking how great that was. I'm like, I guess. I don't know what she's saying, but it sounds okay. Mm -hmm. uh, our friend Kempire just said uh, Human was a solid album. It was just too poppy for R&B fans. I think I would agree with that. Like, I'll die on this hill saying that Human is not a bad album. She's had worse. but She's had worse. But it was definitely not the one that people were expecting. Now, this is one that people were expecting here. Um, Neo's Year of the Gentleman. 
Yes. Now, this one, um, the, as you remember, Kyle, yeah. not long ago, I did my post, my Kings and Queens of R&B for the 2000s. That album is why I crowned Neo the king of R&B for 2008. That was the album that is one of his better albums. I don't know if it's his best. That's an argument for another day, but it's definitely near the top. But it was the one where he solidified himself as like the the voice of R&B for that moment. It was one of the most consistent. So while you got the Beyonce's and the Usher's and, and the Brandy's and the Keisha's and all these former established artists putting out stuff that was a little, little shaky ground, he mm-hmm. came through with probably the most consistent project that put him on a next level and made him next level superstar that we needed at that point. Yeah, because that was the third album in that Neo trilogy, and he delivered on this one. I think because of you, a lot of people actually love that album now, but I remember the momentum for that one. It kind of just came and went. It wasn't as big as I think people were expecting, but on this third one, he really took it up to a whole new level. No question, because remember, that was 2007. We'll probably talk about it next week. So that momentum from that one to this one continued, and it showed it wasn't a fluke. Your boy Neo was here to stay. And that first three-album trilogy still hasn't beat it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a couple of new artists came into the scene during this year. And at the end of this, Ed, I'm going to get you to hand out some awards. But um, okay, I got a, couple, a couple of rookies came onto the scene, artists that were dropping their debut album. Day 26, Making the Band, they came out with their debut album at that time. Big album. A lot of people love Day 26. Probably the last really big R&B group. That was a big one. When you think about, and somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. You know your boy is never wrong. But if I am, someone will correct me. Day 26 may have been like the last great R&B group we got. Before they all, and I'm not talking about, shout out to King. I'm not talking about groups that kind of like came with a lot of potential, dropped great projects, and just vanished. But I mean like an established group that was dropped a great debut, good follow-up, and really cemented themselves. That just They didn't stay long as, around as long as we wanted. But to me, I felt like that they were the last great, great group that we had in Army. Big one right there. Jasmine Sullivan dropped her debut this year as well. A lot Listen, of people love that album. Yes. Now, if there was one, we'll talk about awards later, but if there was an artist in 2008 that I was like, this one is the next up, I would have bet the house on Jasmine because when that came out, we had only heard Need You Bad, which was a great song. Yep. You know, it, and when we, that dropped, we were like, okay, this is good. We checked out the album. That album was just so well done. To this day, y'all go to soulandstereo.com, put it in a little search bar. That was my favorite album review that I've ever done. It's one of the first ones I've done because it was so much to say about the story she told we do not get a type of storytelling throughout an album like she did there. I love that project. In Love With Another Man, still amazing. Great. And from top to bottom is great. Great. From top yep. to bottom. Another rookie that came onto the scene here, Ed, Jennifer Hudson. Yes. Straight out I, of American Idol. And I had that in my notes, and I didn't know if we were going to bring that up. People forget. Now, you know my girl J-Hud, sometimes y'all be giving her a hard time for whatever. But there was a lot of hype around her in 2008. This was her first project. I liked it. It had some decent songs on it. And we, I thought it was a foundation for her to be next level. Of course, she decided to do the acting route. So 
Even though she's still a talented vocalist, we didn't quite get what we thought we would get from her as a career. But as far as a start, hard to beat. And then a couple of artists that came out with one album and we haven't really heard from them since. Brother, do you remember Brother Ed? That was an R&B group on Death Jam. I remember Brother. I forgot about Brother. Mm -hmm. Uh, Karina, she was also on Death Jam, 16 at War. Yes, I forgot about all those. He's just dragging (laughs) up these folks. I need them to hop in the comments. I know they're around here. Uh, Another Def Jam artist, Sterling Sims. Sterling, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm forgetting about all these. If y'all know these, you really know your R&B. And, Ed, you were rocking the promise ring in 2008 for Tiffany Evans? Well, I won't rock in the promise ring, but Tiffany Evans is an artist, and she's still around, and she still has a lot of potential. She's Mm -hmm. one of those Memphis bleak one hit away for me. Mm-hmm. Kempire said, that's Jay hudds only great album, I'm guessing, because Clyde Davis guided that project that was actually a pretty good album it was very single driven from what i remember but i liked it a lot yeah i really liked it that's the one with spotlight on it right that is the one that was a huge song absolutely brother's debut was only pushed because of the bet show that is true (laughs) that's that is true that That is is true true. (laughs) um ed this wasn't a rookie but because she had dropped a album overseas prior but estelle american boy that like launched her into like the mainstream right away immediately that was a song that was one of those songs that i mean you turned on the radio that was when i was still halfway listening to the radio every time i turned that thing on american boy was playing that really put her on another level and for a while estelle was another artist that we thought was really gonna dominate because she was everywhere all the rappers had her on like everything she was just there was a point where estelle was just all over the scene for both hip-hop and r&b Mm-hmm. I'm going to name a couple more here, and then we're going to get into these categories. And, guys, I want you guys to, to throw in your opinion, too. Uh, American Boy is a well-known by many people my age, for sure. I think it's a classic. It's I don't know if people recognize her, but they definitely recognize that song. That's definitely one where you yeah. know the song. Yeah. It's, like, on, like, Gap commercials and stuff. Um <laughs> Uh, I'm going to name a couple of other albums here, Ed. Um, the Males really represented for this year. Life Jennings, Avant. My boy, yes. Joe, Music Soulchild, Charlie Wilson, Lloyd. There was a lot. Man, and again, I mean, we can't judge 2020 by any metrics because, good Lord, this year the bottom fell out. Like, this wretched year, and let's go beyond that. Go 2021. But, like, just listen to those names. I don't know if we've gotten that many albums at all this year. I loved Life. I think Life was one of the most underrated of that year. Yeah. The music album, when we were talking about this on Twitter, the year 2008, a lot of people were like, oh, I love the music album. That, not my favorite music album. I know I ranked it. I know I ranked his discography. Probably closer to the back end for me. It's not terrible. Yeah. But it's not my favorite music album. But it's solid. So, yeah, lots of stuff there. I remember, like, in Charlie's album. There are lots of solid stuff for 2008. Yeah, the thing about the music album is that that's the album where he dropped that radio song. And people hate that song. Man, but the people rest of, hate that song. People hate that song. But the rest of the album was actually pretty good. That it's had So bad. Beautiful on it. Yes, it's got some decent... Is Was that the one with... Um, with the I Mary know So Beautiful. Yes, If You Leave. Yeah. Like, yeah. that was on it. There's plenty of good stuff on that album, y'all. Overall, as a project... It's a little uneven, but there's no, you can't hate on music. There's real, there's no garbage music album that I've ever heard. Well, mm-hmm. never mind. Yep. 
Um, the Mary joint. Yep, that's a great one. Uh, females really represented for this year too, Ed. Solange. That Solange album is actually my favorite Solange album. More than the, the, the one that came out after with Cranes in the Sky. No, I, I decided Sandball, Sandcastle Disco or whatever. That was a great song. <laughs> is that the one with Tony on it? Because Tony yeah. Oh, Tony. Oh, Tony. Yo, can we talk about Tony for a second? Of course, I love that song. And again, we don't talk about that enough. I love. Um, why am I see it at the table? See it at the table. I love that yeah. album. I think it's great conceptually. It's one of those albums that landed at the perfect moment. But mm -hmm. y'all did not give Solange the love she deserved in 2008. That was a great album. But I only heard it because, again, I didn't give her love. My wife got it and was playing that thing to death. Oh, yes. Tony, I completely forgot about Tony. I got to go Can't back and forget listen about to that. Tony playing. Oh, man. And then uh, Cherish, they dropped their second album. I think Amnesia's on that album. That's like your favorite song, isn't it? That's my song. I didn't realize that that was that one. So, yes. Yep. Man, 2008, again, as I said at the beginning of this broadcast, 2008 had so many, such an underrated and underappreciated year. And then uh, Danity Kane came out that year, had a couple your, of great records. Your they had Girls. My Girls, but uh, that Damage song, man, they overplayed that to death. Yes, they did. <laughs> not a fan of that. And not even that the song is trash. I just got tired of it. Can't blame you. Uh, so here's what we're going to do here, Ed. I have a All couple right. of uh, titles here. Or not titles, but categories. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask you, and uh, even before we get there, I'm going to tell you who won the Grammys for that year. So I guess it would have been the 2009 Grammys. Right. Uh, best R&B album, Jennifer Hudson actually won that over Eric Benet, who came out that year. Boys to Men, Motown, A Journey Throughout Hitsville. I think that was a cover album. Al Green, Lay It Down. And Rafael Sadiq, The Way I See It. Another great album. But yeah, Jennifer Hudson, one. Jennifer Hudson ended up winning that one. I remember people were kind of pissed about that. I remember too, but again, remember the Grammys. And I don't know if we have any Grammy people secretly hiding in the comments. No beef to whatever's going on in the 2021 Grammys. But Moa knows y'all got your work cut out for you this year. But <laughs> back then, I mean, one of the complaints we've always had about the Grammys is that it seems to be one chosen person. And it, that person is just like, okay, you get all the awards. And at the time, 2008, mainstream, nobody was bigger than Jennifer Hudson. So the mm -hmm. win doesn't surprise me. Best album of the year, not by a long shot. Yep. Uh, Ed, someone mentioned uh, Deborah Cox, The Promise. That did come out in 2008. Yes, and The Promise was one of those ones I recently ranked on Soul and Stereo. Go check it out. I ranked Deborah's discography not too long ago, sometime this summer. I kind of forgot how good that album was. At the time, I was like, it's all right. But going back to revisit, it had some joints. Yep. And then Best Contemporary R&B Album, Mary J. Blige, Growing Pains one. But that came out in like late 2017, so we'll talk yeah. about that. Yeah, next that'll year. be the, next year. The albums that were nominated were Jay Holiday, 2017 as well, Karina, 2008, Year of the Gentleman, 2008, and Jasmine Sullivan. So I think uh, we hit the mark. We mentioned a couple of those artists. So, mm -hmm. And those all deserve to be in that circle. I agree. Um, so, Ed, here we go here. These are the categories that I had set for you here. Uh, okay, what you got, player? Get into the mindset of 2008. I see Montrez Jones just joined here. What's up, Shout Montrez? Out Montrez. 
Kendall Rogers, uh, 2008, most anticipated album for you that year during that time. And hmm. like, just bring me back to the moment. Why were you excited about that project? Where were you in your life at that time? Just give me the whole story. The most anticipated, if I'm remembering correctly, y'all, y'all correct the brother. I believe that was my boy King Keith. I think Ooh. King Keith came out with just me in 2008. Somebody correct me. That might have been 2007. I think it was 2008. That album, this was around the time he was dropping like random singles. Yeah, because he dropped Butterscotch and a friend of mine. He had Butterscotch and he had Sugar, Sugar, Sugar. And I had a friend that was like, this man got a sweet tooth. Every song he dropped is about <laughs> some candy. So that's why that sticks out to me. But I remember, y'all know me, I love some Keith. So I was very excited. But that ended up being one of my favorite albums from him and probably the best modern day Keith Sweat album mm. for me. So I love that album and I was very excited. I'm always excited when my boy's about to come through. Went to Target so I could get bonus tracks. Y'all remember those days? And I got <laughs> it and I loved that project. Wow. Um, I actually forgot about um, Raheem Devon's album that came out in 2008 as well. Someone wanted me to mention that one because that was a yep, good one. Yeah, that's another good one. But, Ed, my most anticipated in 2008, and we have not even mentioned this album on the podcast so far. Oh, boy. I think <sighs> I know where we're going. Can I make a declaration, Ed? Oh, my gosh. Can you? Uh, Can we make a declaration? People. We talk about Usher and Mariah waiting a couple of years to drop their follow-up. Ed, Concrete Rose came out in 2004. The declaration oh. was 2008. I had to wait four years. I had to go through the murdering federal indictment. I had, to, <laughs> I had to watch Ashanti find a new label. I had to find her and Irv Gotti not working together anymore. I was really excited for this one. And I don't know if you remember this. This might age us. But remember when albums used to leak? Like two weeks before yes, the release date. Yes, I remember. I remember doing my album reviews off of the leaks because I would have it ready by the time the album drops. Yes, I remember. So, days. so I'm gonna paint the picture. I was in class. I was in IT class, and I used to visit this website called uh, Boxton. I don't know if you remember the site. B O X D N. That all those album leaks you could find them on there. You so, sure could. I was there. I was in IT class. I think I was supposed to be doing actual work, but I was like, let me go hit up this forum right now. I go on Boxton. Typical Kyle. I see the thread title. It says Ashanti, the declaration leak. And I'm losing my mind. Mind you, I, sh I shouldn't be because I'm not even supposed to be on that website. I shouldn't exactly. be working. Exactly. How are you on this? Anyway. So, so I was excited. I clicked on it. Couldn't download it because I was in class. So went home after school, immediately downloaded it, and it was on from there, Ed. It was on. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I will give you props because as much, and I know I'm always coming off as the Ashanti hater. I do not hate Ashanti. I just, mm. as I said on Twitter recently, nostalgia is stronger than cocaine because wow. some of y'all would be thinking that Ashanti had like this 10-year run. She had like a two-year run. Go look at the numbers. It's for real. However, the Declaration is her best album. I know you will say, no, nah, the debut. No. The <laughs> debut has some good singles and some mess. The Declaration is the best album Ashanti has ever done. And I stand by that. I ranked her albums. By far, it's the best. Even though Kyle is crazy, 
He's not mm. wrong that that album was great. Mm. All right. So, shall we switch on to? Uh, let's get into But these other album, yes. These other categories here. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple ones at you here. This is the Twitter thriller. This is the Twitter one. Twitter thriller. That's what we're calling it. This is the one that people on Twitter have dubbed a classic. Okay. It might not have been looked at one in in 2008 when it came out, but people now celebrate it like it's thriller. What album do you see on your timeline that shows you that it is the Twitter thriller? Um maybe Neos? Mm. Maybe that. I feel like that one of all the ones we've discussed today probably gets the most love. I don't think it's necessarily a classic or the best thing ever, but if we're talking Twitter thriller, I think you might be on the song. The Twitter thriller for me, I think a different me is one, but the one and we haven't even mentioned this one yet. Janet Jackson's Discipline album. Dude. Yeah, that's a good one. That's people talk one. about that album and I actually really liked that album at the time, but people look at that album like it's the freaking thriller of real life. Fantasy Ride is enough. But Fantasy Ride came out in 2009, <laughs> so I'm going to give Sierra a pass. Fantasy here, but... Ride. No, but Stop but uh <laughs> No, Discipline, I love that album. It was weird cuz Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis didn't even work on that album, but no, man, if you if you ask people around my age, they'll look at that Discipline album as freaking thriller. I don't know why. Well, that's because and I'm still tripping off of <laughs> Fantasy Ride. You are a fool. But um <laughs> Yes, I think for some people that there's a generation that Discipline was maybe one of their first Janet albums. And as we talked about earlier, this era was the era of legends experimenting and going away from their established sounds. To me, Discipline is another album that's like one of those joints that is not bad, kind of like Human. Like it's not bad, but it's mm-hmm. not really an album other than a couple singles. I'm not really going to play too much off of Discipline, but there are a definitely hardcore group of Janet fans that love that album. Eh. It's okay. Eh. <laughs> Neil wrote It's some great garbage, songs on there. Eh. Neil, Neil did some great things. Um, uh, next category I have here, Ed, what's a sleeper album? An album that people should talk about more, but they don't. Well, 2008. I think we already... I think we already mentioned some. I think Life's album is one that I think people sleep on Life in general. I get that his voice is not one that everybody appreciates, but I thought that album was one of his better albums. Keith's album, I again think that that was his best modern day album. It's a little over 10 years old, but I think that's beat most of everything he's put out since then. And your girl Ashanti because mm. it is the most unappreciated of her albums because everybody goes back to the early works when she was super hot but this is the album when she really it pulled it all together so that might be my pick for most underrated yeah ashanti would never be a sleeper in my discography i'm just saying oh then <laughs> you would be sleeping but not her relax uh my sleeper album i'm going to go with uh karina's debut and tiffany evans they both had actually really solid debuts especially for young artists mm-hmm. so i'm going to go with those two um how about this one ed the rookie of the year Hmm. I just named some. You had Jasmine Sullivan, you had Day 26, you have Jennifer Hudson. Who was your rookie of the year that year? Now, and if you ask me that question in 2008, because we have mm-hmm. to take a 2008 mindset, you can't use a 2020 mindset. If I yep. was in 2008, I would have said Jennifer Hudson. 
Now, that seems a little weird now, knowing what we know, because we are in the future. So, like, you would say, okay, it had to be Jasmine, because she had this great debut, and she went on to have greater success later. But if we were just in 2008, and I had to pick my rookie of the year, it had to be Jennifer. Like, she had a solid album. She had a bunch of promise. She had the Grammys. I don't know if she had the Oscars yet. If she didn't, she was about to. Mm -hmm. So, she seemed like the next big thing coming up. In 2020, we know that didn't quite work out. She went another path, but back then, I would have picked her. See, I would have gone with Day 26 just for that hmm. album alone, but it's weird because, and we didn't really talk about their second album last week. That came out in 2009, but you mentioned something and you nailed it on the spot is that mm -hmm. these albums, that these artists that we thought were going to be the next generation of R&B, they didn't quite make it. Like, Day 26 lasted two albums. Um, Pleasure P, who we talked about last week, he only lasted one album. R&B changed at that time, but in 2008, Day 26 was it for me. Like, I, I thought they were going to do it. Well, it's weird. Again, in 2008, I would not have said better gets them, but remember what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. We talked about 808s. We talked about T-Pain. Mm. This is equivalent of letting in the little raggedy cousin that's like, oh, I'm going to just spend the night. I'm just going to stay a couple nights. I ain't going to stay too long in your R&B house. You know, just let me out. Let me get back on my feet. And then they stay, and then they never move out the house. That's <laughs> what happened when y'all let auto-tune in. It completely changed the landscape of everything. So all of these artists in 2008 and 2009, it should have been the biggest things going into 2011, 2012. But yep. instead, all of our R&B artists got to start rapping just to keep up. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have uh, in 2008 here. I completely forgot. Here's a story for you. I was working at Best Buy in 2008. Late oh, day, I didn't know you worked at Best Buy. For like three months. Uh, late 2008. This was during the Christmas time. That's when mm -hmm. Akon's album played or came yep. out. And my God, they played that right now, Na 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 song nonstop. Oh. That's why I didn't even mention this album. I don't even know. I, it, it was terrible. I've, the only, when Akon <laughs> came out with Locked Up, I did kind of like Locked Up. But everything else after that, they played to death. Yeah. And I was so sick of it. Mm -hmm. I totally forgot about Nah, Nah, Nah until you mentioned it. And the second you said it, it flooded back in my brain. And I never want to hear it again. Did Janelle Monet drop an EP in, 20, in 2008? I think she did, actually. Janelle Moe. Oh, was that Metropolis? I think you're right. Yeah, that was a good that one. Was, no, that was that became one of my favorites. Like That mm -hmm. was a moment that when I heard it, there's not happened very often where I hear something and I'm like, who is this? What is this? What am I hearing? That blew me away. I could forgot that was 2008, but yes, that I was totally in love after hearing that thing. And yes, Chris Brown's exclusive, the deluxe version, did come out in 2008 because he had that uh, that Forever song, which ended mm -hmm. up on the commercials. That was a big one. Yep. Uh, but Ed, here's what we're going to do here. Rank your top three albums from this year, starting at number three to number one. I want to hear and see what everyone else thinks here, too, because I have mine already uh, in my mind. Ashanti, unfortunately, did not make it. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to squeeze her in there right now, but I don't think she's gonna make it. But Ed, what is your number three? Um, this is tough. Mm -hmm. 
I might just have to say, because y'all just threw it back in my memory and I forgot all about it, I might have to go with that Metropolis EP from Janelle. Wow. I totally forgot about that, but that's definitely worth mentioning. I, that might be my number three. Well, albums. We're going to go albums, not EPs. Okay, here. we're going albums. So, you know, I have got back. This is back in the day when I didn't even review EPs. So I'm like, that's not an album. Then y'all were yeah. like, it's all the same. <laughs> so we'll skip that and we'll go albums. Off top. Number three. Let's go with. Let's go with Keith. Let's go with wow. Keith, just me. Wow. Let's do that. My number three. Again, tough one here. Just because we've been giving the group so much love this entire podcast, and Brian Angel is my guy, Willie Taylor mm-hmm. is my guy. Day 26 is my number three. Can't hate so, on that. Shout outs to Brian Michael Cox for producing a lot of that, but my number three is Day 26. That's not a bad pick. Wonder what y'all thought about Lloyd's Lessons in Love. It, that album is weird to me because it, it felt so much like just leftovers from Street Love. That was the one. I'm trying Girl, to think. What was the, what's the big single off of that one? Girls mixing, All Around the World. Okay, I'm mixing it up with the Pat LaBelle thing. That was, yeah, that was moved after. moved to Birmingham by then. So yeah, that, yeah. that was like yeah, I, album- I confused those two. This album was like the last album. Actually, no, the declaration was on Murder Inc. as well. But this one was like during the middle of their federal indictment. So I think yep. they just slapped something together and put it out. But it was not a bad album. It's just it felt too much like Street Love. Yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, like I definitely remember hearing it. But yeah. I don't remember like a ton of standouts on that. One. Yeah. Now, the one a- after that, I, I liked a lot more. Yeah. So number three, you had Keith. I had Day 26. What's your number mm-hmm. two? Number two would probably have to be Neo. Hmm. I thought about that, too. I'm going to go with Here I Stand. Okay. Um, which is funny because, like, Neo is going to be my number one. But I, t- today I probably listen to Here I Stand more than Here the Gentleman. But Interesting. Okay. I think so. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Here I Stand as my number two. Can't be mad at that. And what's your number one, then? Number one would have to be Jasmine's Fearless. Mm, I adore that album. I think that was a star-making LP. And again, from the storytelling of talking about Fearless and this concept of fear, and she's talking about it through relationships and starting a career. And, oh, it was just so well done. I'm going to listen to it when we finish this up. Love that album, and it made me fall in love with Jasmine. Lions, Tigers, and Bear. Oh, oh, and yes. then that, that Hurricane song was great, too. Hurricane was, oh, the whole thing? I'm telling you. That's I'm a good one. You. I might have to revisit. Uh, what's, everyone else's, what's everyone else's list? Yeah, Here, I stand got- with, Here I Stand was big that year in high school, but top five for me. Yeah. Actually, I have a funny story to uh, the Here I Stand album, and this goes back to my Boston days. Uh, I need to get off that. I got off that site, but uh, I I'm remember sure when Boxden does not still exist. If probably it is, not. Getting all the viruses. Yep. I uh, I remember when Love in This Club first leaked, and I was DJing a school dance at the time. And this was a quick lesson for me that people don't care how hot a song is at a school dance; they just want to hear the songs they know. Yeah. So I played Love in This Club. It had been out for like two hours on the internet, <laughs> not even on the radio, on the internet. I played it at the school dance. It got no love. Everyone just stood there, hands like that. People were like, what is this? Like, no, this isn't, like, 
You, you aren't Funk Flex. You're DJ Buddha, but you aren't Funk Flex. So they're going to be <laughs> dropping bombs on this. I'm sure they were like, what is this? Play me my single ladies. To be fair, though, man, a couple months later when that became a hit, they were looking at me like I knew what I was talking about. Just we'll kidding. They, they didn't even rem- remember that I played oh that song. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> good Lord, player. Should have went with Good Goodbye, Shanti. Would have worked out better. <laughs> you should have not. <laughs> But I love that song, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's one for you. Deadly for Seebs. Karina, Jasmine, and number one, Day 26. Mm-hmm. You're probably younger. You're probably around my age if you have those as your top three. Maybe even younger. Ugh, younger than Kyle? I didn't think that existed. Mm-hmm. Can you drive? Oh, Ed, are you ready for this to age your childhood? And then we'll wrap this up. Damon Dunn just said, Love in This Club was a song that I rem- remember from my early childhood. Early childhood? <laughs> for those who don't know, Damon is like, I call Damon my R&B son because he may not be, but like he's in his teens, yet he is one of the wisest R&B minds out there. But mm. then he hits me with like, yeah, I listen to Love in This Club a year before I had been married, like, five years at this point, when mm. I was in early childhood. Thanks for making your man feel old, dog. Deadly for seeds. He's 36. Okay. So he appreciates the young music. I like it. Um, Ed, I think that's it for this week's um, podcast. A lot of uh, great albums we talked about. Your yeah, overall thoughts as we reflect back on 2008. As, as I look back at it, it's not as bad as I thought it was. It's not at all as bad. And again, when we were talking beforehand and Tom, we were all chatting about this year. I know there's a lot of like, oh, it's not anything good. That's because everything that we expected to be great, the kind of expectations were a little bit lower at the time. But looking back, you see that those albums were actually pretty solid. And besides that, there was a lot of unsung heroes of that time that I was glad we were able to give some love to today. So even though R&B did not move in the direction it should have yep. after 2008 and going into 2009, you still got to respect the people who put in the groundwork there. Some good stuff. Mm-hmm. And Antoine just said Eric Benet's album, that, was it Love, love and Life? That was a good that one. That was one. Yeah. So that's 2008 for you guys. Next week we'll do 2007. And we'll keep going until we get to the point where I didn't actually listen to music. So we we'll got a get couple. to your, you'll be an embryo and I'll be talking about what happened in my early childhood, like David. Back of my lack better be number one when you do 2007. It might be up there, man, Darius. I love the holiday. <laughs> I love that album. So we're going to talk it, about it that next week. It was pretty good. We'll talk about that next week. And uh, yeah, we'll do this again next weekend. It was fun. And right. uh, do your research for 2007 and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come back to this. Everybody do their homework. Come back. You can listen to bed and all of the suffocate and all of that Jay Holiday stuff. He might come up here and cuss somebody out, too. So make sure you ah, do your stuff. That's my guy. That's all my right, guys. I love him. Absolutely. We'll be back next week. Someone else wrote 2008. The dream played a huge role. This is true. The dream was huge. 2008, 2009, like I said. 2007, maybe not so much. I think Beacox was still running things at that time with Stargate. But uh, we'll talk about that next weekend. We're out of here. We out. Stay safe, guys.